listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Good morning, Northside. Oh, better than the first service. I'm proud of you. Good job. Good job. And give yourselves a hand for that. Uh, welcome. Can you believe this is the last day of 2023? It is here. It, it, 2023 is going to be gone in just a few hours and in marches 2024. Now, I don't know about you, but I start thinking about things that, well, how well did I do on the goals I set for last year? And what new goals do I have for this year? And some of us start thinking about that. But honestly, the main things that are important to me, and they're probably not a whole lot different than you, is I want to be a great follower of Jesus. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good family member, uncle, son, all that kind of stuff. And um, whatever that role is for you, I hope that's important for you also. And at Christmas time as dad, I want to make sure the Bible story is not forgotten. So we started a tradition years ago when our kids were little that we would start uh, Christmas morning with the Bible story. And we would have a birthday cake and we put a little candle in it. But now that kids are older, my daughter's 13 and we're done, kind of done with birthday cakes for that. And we actually, we're just old and lazy. We just do cinnamon rolls. We put a candle in it. We light it. She got to blow it out. I read the Luke chapter 2 story. We still kept the focus on Jesus. We just had a cinnamon roll. But one of the verses I love around the Jesus birth story is the one that our series has been focused on in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's Isaiah's prophecy of the coming of Jesus, and it says this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I don't know about you, but I love those names at the end. They're just names of power and they're awesome. And the last one, this Prince of Peace, the name for Jesus in this passage is what we've been talking about in this series. This series called Missing Peace. You see, this baby Jesus... I was sitting next to my daughter last week, and there's little Callahan, a couple of months old. And I'm just like, oh, isn't it amazing that Jesus came as this little baby, that he came down to this earth. This baby came to bring us peace as the prince of peace, to give you peace, to give me peace in a world that seems so messed up and missing it so often. Yet he came that we may have peace. And last week we learned that the only answer for peace is through this baby Jesus. It will only come in him and through him in your life. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you feel right now in your life, where you are in 2023, going into 2024, are you experiencing peace? And even more than that, I want to ask you, are you experiencing peace in your family? That's going to be our focus this morning. Peace in the family. Now, I, I know I'm not, I'm not trying to compare myself to others, and I can't even compare to what Jesus and his mother and father went through as he was born, and Herod's trying to kill all the babies, and they have to run off to Egypt. But when it comes to Brynn and I, we're two parents with personalities that are highly competitive. In fact, we, we do this a little bit. Actually, just she's in the room. Let me be honest. We do this a lot. Uh, we've done this a lot. In 32 years of marriage, I'm, I'm learning to handle that a little bit better because there is one person in the whole mix, as 
former college athletes, highly competitive, that has spent years being wanting, wanting to be right and in control. I don't know which one that is, but he might be standing on the stage right now. And I'm trying to get better at that. It's been 37 years together, 32 years married, and I'm finally starting to figure it out. Um, it, it, it really doesn't just come in letting her do whatever she wants. You may think that. It comes in Jesus and wanting to serve her. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But from the beginning of starting a family, it seems like we've been in a battle, Brennan and I, Brennan and I have, for peace. From Brenda being sick most every morning of her pregnancy with all three children. From the first day, that's how we knew she was pregnant, to the very last day till she gives birth. She doesn't like being pregnant. From our firstborn, JP, getting tangled in his cord during birth to losing a child between JP and Brooklyn to getting fired from a ministry right before Brooklyn was born. That was me, not Brenda. Uh, We did find some family peace during the kids' elementary years, yet I didn't have a lot of personal peace. I was the lead minister of a small church uh, that we were trying to turn around that was a bit unhealthy, and I brought a lot of those struggles home, and there wasn't always peace in the home because of Dad. And then being called to Northside from Oklahoma, With teenagers, that was a big enough challenge, one going into high school and another one going into middle school and uh, new schools and all that came with that. The Lord blessed us with a baby at 40, little Becca. I tell people I would have had a bass boat named Becca. Actually, I probably would have had three with all the money that she spends in clothes and already at 13 in makeup. Could have had three bass boats named Becca, but she was, is truly a blessing and has been a joy. You can imagine, though, with teenagers, new schools, new jobs, ball games, church events, there was joy. There was lots of joy, especially having a baby around, having a toddler around, but very little sleep and real struggle for peace. But wait a second. Isn't there a verse that Paul tells us in the end of his letter to the Thessalonians? Look at this. Thessalonians chapter, 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 16 says this. Now may the Lord of peace, right? He was called the Prince of Peace. May the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with most of you except those having teenagers and a baby. No, it says to all of you. But yet, somehow, I was missing that at times. My own home with my own family. But last week, Wayne reminded us all that Jesus promises us peace, but he doesn't always promise us peacefulness. And sometimes we lack to see the difference. The truth is that peacefulness that we seek in our family and our homes is typically reliant on our personal connection with Jesus, how we're living out our faith in a healthy way, how we're abiding with him, how we're staying connected to the vine, which is Jesus, through our daily walking with him, being in the word, journaling as he speaks to us and us talking to him in prayer and asking him questions. So you may be like me, and as we roll into this new year of 2024, I'm thinking about some things that I can improve on, some things that I can do better. Hit the mark on some of them last year, almost read as many books as I wanted, spent the time in the Word, but still want to do some things better. I want to always challenge myself. So I want to share with us this morning 
five things, five truths from God's Word that can help you and I to have peace within our family no matter the circumstances. Now, let me say, there may be one or two that you grasp onto. Maybe all five are helpful. There may be one you just need to tweak a little bit. But I just pray that everybody will be open to where God needs to speak to them to help us to be all that God wants us to be in our families this coming year. And I believe these these truths are important for everybody that's here. Whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're a sibling, a child, we all have influence. Aunts, uncles, whatever it is, we have some influence. There's somebody watching us, looking up to us. So if you're in a family, which we're all in the family of God, we all have influence. And this is important for every one of us. We all have a part to play. So for fun... I've kind of, Wayne likes to, you know, he starts our four C's, he's got these, the the, the T's, all that kind of stuff. We're going to start everything with S this morning. So I got five S's for you. Hopefully that'll help you kind of connect with them. Number one, settle your identity. Settle your identity. God, the creator of all things, created you and I for a unique purpose. You're invited to be a part of God's grand narrative of life and Love and redemption that is only true because of Christ. And that is why our identity with God can only be found in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7 and verse 11, Paul says this, Even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us into himself through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Church, when you receive God's identity for you, When you believe it, when it really becomes real in your life, you will now experience this freedom that only comes in Christ. Now, every one of us have an identity. We all have a family name. But the name of Jesus is where you and I will find our greatest identity. The name of Jesus is above all. But it's also the name that has been given to you. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, 16, we have the privilege of being called by the name of Jesus. Of Christ. Now, when it comes to names, I always thought it was weird because my grandma Vi, my dad's mom, um, she would always say towards the end of her life, she was so proud to tell us all how she had six names. I was a little confused about that. My grandma was married twice. Both uh, the grandpas died and passed away. And when um, the last one died, she wanted to take on the first one's name because that was her son's name and she lived around us. So my grandma Vi's name, she'd always tell us, my name is Violet Louise Dome Presco Farmer Presco. And I was like, oh, my sister and I laughed at that and thought that was totally unique. Nobody else I knew had six names. Kind of crazy. But then it was no weirder than the fact that I found out in life when I went to get a a birth certificate in Kansas to get a passport, they gave me my actual first birth certificate. See, I'm adopted in Kansas. They gave me my original birth certificate. And on there, I see Jamie J. Sanders. Who is that? And Melanie Ann Sanders is my mother. And I turn it on the back and adopted John W. Presco. See, I've had two names on this earth. I started this on this earth, March 23rd, 1970, and, ja- and Jamie J. Sanders was my name. 
21 days later, I was adopted by John and Nancy Presco and became John William Presco. I don't know what my life would have been like as Jamie Sanders. Um, never heard that before except once when JP um, found out about that. He was in big trouble and he's like, now Jamie, calm down. He used that to break the ice and he only used it, he got it once. He knew that because I gave him the look but totally forgot what I was mad at him about. So it worked. He worked it. But, you know, I don't know what like life would have been like as Jamie Sanders, but I know that I'm very thankful and blessed that I was adopted by a mother and father that loved Jesus and served Jesus. And my dad showed me what it meant to love Jesus and serve him by serving and loving his church. So I'm extremely thankful for both of them. But I have to say, my greatest name change didn't come at 21 days. It came at 10 years old in August of 1980, when I was adopted into the family of God. When I believed in Jesus, I was baptized for the forgiveness of my sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit and eternal life. And what a blessing that was because I got another name, child of God. You see, if you've accepted Jesus, you also have that name. You are a child of God. I don't know what your family experience was like. I don't know if you were blessed to grow up knowing Jesus in a family that loved Jesus But I know that the difference can happen in your life when you become a child of God. You see, that's the difference between the families we were born into with no choice of what our name is, right? And the family of God. We get a say in that. In fact, God doesn't force us into his family. He invites us into his family. This may seem like a pretty small thing. But daily, we have the choice to take up our cross and choose to follow Jesus because of the invitation that he has given us. I remember a time when I was a young minister and I was still trying to figure all that out and I was listening to other voices in my life and I bought into the idea that my kids needed to behave at a higher standard because I was a minister. So they couldn't run around the church. They couldn't yell in church. They couldn't chew gum in church. I think that was really because I couldn't, so I didn't want them to be able to. All the other kids were chewing gum. but um, They couldn't wear a hat in church. They had to dress up for church. I even paid them to take notes of the sermon. Right? I wanted to know that they were learning something and then that they were listening to Dad and it looked good like they were listening and taking notes. To be honest, this wasn't about them at all. It was all about me. It was a reflection on me and not my kids being an image bearer of God for his glory. But my identity at the time was more about what others thought about me. More about what they thought about my kids and what they thought about me as a leader of the family and the church. And here's what I learned. If you and I don't have our identity figured out, then sin, self, our selfish desires will affect our mind to not think right and will always manifest in our behavior. We'll do crazy and sometimes sinful, selfish things to find peacefulness in our hearts, in our families. This year I heard Jackie Hill Perry say once, we all want what God has, but not who God is. And that has been true for me at times in my life. I get caught up in trying to perform for others, trying to perform for God, Instead of staying connected to Jesus and just being who God created me to be, being the personality that he created me to be and letting the Holy Spirit lead and direct my lives. 
If that's a struggle for you, I hope that this verse will be an encouragement for you, John. Or Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the angel said to the shepherds, Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I want everyone to hear this this morning. For those who are in Christ, God is pleased with you. God is pleased with you. You can stop trying to earn the approval from God or his people or your family. You've been chosen by Christ. You've been given your personality to be who you are in Christ. And once you, once you form that identity in Christ, once you surrender that to him, once you truly believe who you are in Christ, there are some responsibilities. You have a role to play with your family, to help others create their identity, to find their identity in Christ. And I want to say this this morning, your words matter. Our words matter to one another. They can shape others in our family and those around us. Saying words like, you're so lazy, or you're so negative, or you're so stubborn. Even things like, well, she's just shy, or he's not very athletic. They can hurt the hearts instead of giving life. Many of us may have had parents who said things about us that we know they aren't true because God has spoken the truth, but yet we still have this struggle with them because those words, or for some of us, the lack thereof, it marked our hearts when we were young and when our identity was forming. So I want us to think about a couple of questions here this morning when we think about this part of settling your identity. I'm going to put these up on the screens, just some things to think about. Number one, how have I been formed in my family of origin that goes against God? Number two, how have I been formed in my family origin that honors God? Hopefully we can find things that honor God as we grew up in our family. But who are you in Christ? If someone asked you that, who are you in Christ? How would you explain that? So I want us to just to take a minute and then I'll close with a prayer. You can close your eyes if you want. Just read the questions and let God speak to you about how God is forming you even today and who you are in Christ. Let's take a moment of silence. Father God, may you continue to just form us into who you've called us to be through your son, Jesus. Father, for those of us who have not set our identity in you or those struggling with that, I, I pray that you would just help them to form that at the end of this year, this, this day right now, that they would find their true identity in you and just surrender themselves to you, what you have for their life, to find true freedom in you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Church, peace can come to you and your family when you settle who you are in Christ and you start daily connecting and really abiding, having conversations with God in His Word, praying, journaling, hearing from Him that will change your life. So number one, settle your identity. Number two, set your heart. Set your heart. We all have family patterns that work against peace. Some of us have had some trials and some difficulties in our family. Maybe divorce or illness or a loss of a child or parent. Maybe extreme financial difficulty. There may be addiction in your home like alcoholism or gambling. Maybe there's mental illness. Maybe there's been depression or anxiety or anger and rage, just to name a few issues. With a new identity in Christ comes a new spirit who brings a new strength. Romans chapter 8, 15 through 17 says this. You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with your spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We must also share his suffering. Oh, wait, I don't like that last little part. Can we take that out and just live the first part? Just have the spirit and everything go great. Uh, That's not the way Jesus works it. In fact, we will often grow closer to him through our struggles, through some of our trials and finding out who we are in him. In fact, conflict, trials, struggles, they're never fun, but they build our character. They increase our faith. And Jesus even led his disciples in this manner. In fact, during their ministry days, Jesus said to them such things as, But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. All nations will hate you because you are my followers. Well, that sounds fun, doesn't it? If any of you wants to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That's hard work. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? So he knew we were in a place that's not our home, that the enemy has reign. Lastly, for you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. Doesn't sound like much peace, does it? Those, I, I am sure, were hard and uncomfortable things for the disciples to hear, but we know that they came from a place of love for service to God's mission. So I want to ask you, you may not have threats for your life because you're a Christian, but you may have had people mock you. You may have had people hate on you. But I just want to ask, what are you dealing with right now? Is there a need to reset your heart? Whatever you're dealing with, I want to share a couple of things with you. We all need counselors. Okay, We all need the capital C counselor who is the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus says, The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. That's great news. As believers, we've all been given this Holy Spirit that will live in us, living in us to empower us and to help us to live faithful and righteous lives that God desires, connecting us to God the Father. That's why we've got to spend that time abiding in Him so that He continue to grow us and teach us. But there's also a need for little seat counselors. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 20c says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. 
Church, we're not meant to do life alone. We're meant to do life with others. And I want to challenge you to find an accountability partner. Find someone that will hold you accountable for your faith, for your time in the Word, for who you are as a believer. There are times where you may need to go find a professional counselor. You may need that consistently in your life. I've had that in my life and found a professional counselor, and it's been so, so helpful. You need to get in a life group. You need to get in a community, a simple church, where you can be authentic and real with those you are in community with. I don't know where that is for you, but you need to find a group of other believers who have the Holy Spirit in them who can lift you up and you can do life together. We need each other. We need the inner strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. We need the empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit, but we're not meant to do it alone. So settle your identity, set your heart, and thirdly, I'm going to say space for your health. You need to find space for your health. Now, this is one that most of us think about as we end a year and go into another one, right? What can I do to eat more healthier? I need to exercise more, all these things that come with our health. And these are not bad things. God gave you a body. God tells you to take care of your body. So it's important. They're connected to our capacity for peace because tiredness and hunger they can get in the way of feeling peace. Now, i got to say, here in America, I, I can't say I'm fighting hunger. After Christmas, and I, how many pies did mom have? I don't know, eight or nine. I just pounded on pies. Had pie for breakfast yesterday. It was so good. Nothing better than pie for breakfast. But sleep, that's a whole other thing. Are you getting enough sleep? Are you making time for meditation and quietness with God? See, Christmas time can be a blessing where you get some time off and you find some of that peace, you find some of that stillness, that alone time, but it also can be a chaotic time. It can be a time where we're exhausted, we're traveling all over to see family, we're eating badly or eating too much, and we wonder why we have these meltdowns at times with our spouse or with our kids. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. Jesus knew that these times would come. In fact, they came for him when he was with his disciples. He's, before he's feeding the 5,000, Jesus and the disciples, they're exhausted and overwhelmed. And Jesus says to them this, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Wow, what wisdom in that. We need to hear that. In fact, some of us may need to make that our verse for the beginning of the year to memorize it. Put it on the fridge. Put it in the mirror in your bathroom. You see, peace requires some space. Do you have a space in order to find peace? The void of activity, the void of productivity, the void of busyness, just to be alone, alone with your Lord. If you've not taken a prayer walk lately, I highly encourage you to come out backside of the building. There's a nine-hole Frisbee golf course back there, but it also has prayer stations at each one, a bench, a place, a lot of them have an overhang. Great place for you to take a prayer walk is back in our Frisbee golf course. I'd highly encourage you to do that. On our website is our discipleship materials. There's a one hour prayer wheel that you can spend some time with the Lord. Space for your health, not only physically, but spiritually. So settle your identity, set your heart, space for your health. And number four, serve your family. So far, we've focused on these personal intake items, and it's important for peace in our lives. But we also need to respond to God's voice. We need to respond to God's love by serving, and it starts for our family. In fact, peace and serving go together. There's more peace in your family when you serve your family. On the way home from work, 
After picking up your kids, going back to the house, what are you thinking about? What you need to get done? Or are you thinking about how can I serve my family with what needs to get done? I want to challenge you to create a culture in your family around your home to ask what needs to be done. As you enter your home or as you enter a room, um, as you leave a space, what needs to be done? See, it's not healthy for one parent or one spouse to be doing all the serving in the home. Everyone in the home needs to approach and leave each room area or area thinking what needs to be done. Do I need to pick up some clothes or put away some shoes, clean off a counter, take some dishes to the dishwasher, clean some clothes, take out some trash, clean a toilet? Those are things that I hear, not just in my head, but I've heard before. All the mothers say amen, right? You're welcome. Why do I bring that up? Why is that important? Did a mother pay me to do that? Nope. Romans chapter 12, 9 through 11 says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. You want to honor your spouse? You want to honor your family? You want to honor your parents or your kids? Then serve them in the home. Now I'll say serving your family will be a great test of serving humbly. Because home is a place of peace, it's a place of safety, it's where you can go to rest and to be comfortable, and it's supposed to be that. I hope it is to you. It's a place where we can truly be ourselves, but that also means it can be a place where it's easy to be lazy, it's easy to be full of ourselves. it's easy to be prideful, it's easy to just, I'm tired, it's been a long day. But we still need to have an attitude of what needs to be done and to serve. Now, I'm going to take a pause here. I'm going to do a little promo because I'm the small group minister and I take the trips to Mexico. And it's a great opportunity for us to learn how to serve or take our families to serve. And I want to mention that I'm leading a trip to Mexico this spring break to serve along Crossroads Missions. And lots of parents of teens have been on the trip before. You're going to see some pictures here. I've taken my oldest daughter, Brooklyn. I've taken Brenda and Becca before. There's Brenda and Becca and and my niece, Brenna, I think, in that picture in a great-looking green OU hat there on John. And uh, Becca's, gonna, I think, going to go again this year at 13. It's a great trip to take families or for, to take one of your kids or even to send your kids if they're teenagers. Um, I would highly encourage it. We have some spots available. You can sign up and find out more at northsidechristianchurch.net forward slash Mexico. It's a great opportunity to serve others and to serve those in great need. Now, I want to say initiating service in your family will show the witness of the change that Christ has made in you. Whether it's in your home, together in your community, or whether it's on a global outreach trip, serving our family is so, so important. Let me share the last S to finding peace, and that is show thanks to God. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. This is such an important thing for us to do as believers in our family. It's to give thanks. And I want to challenge each and every one of you here today to make an effort to daily talk about what went right that day and give thanks. We often talk about something bad that happened or we've got a story of something that was difficult. But do we take the time to think about what went right? 
and then give God thanks for that. And our kids need to hear that. We need to hear that from each other. What went right, and then let's celebrate it. Remind family members of how important they are to you, how, what you're thankful for about them as a person. Not just what they do, but about who they are. Be thankful for your family members. Norman Vincent Peale said, the more you practice the art of thankfulness, the more you have to be thankful for. The more will come to mind. That's the way God made the mind. Being thankful is not only God's will for you, but it's all, it also keeps our focus upward as we think about our blessings that come only from Him. And our greatest thanks should be the gift of Jesus and the salvation that He brings. As a family, we've been working to put this into practice in our daily devotions that we do uh, as a family before Becca gets on the bus or we take her to school. And we want, we try and strive to take some time to just ask each other, what are you thankful for today? And get our thinking on something that we're thankful for, something positive, and then we pray about the challenges that might be ahead in the day before we have our devotional. So I want us to practice this. It's something I'm trying to practice in my own personal quiet time when I get to my prayer time to writing out two or three things that I'm thankful for. And I want to give you guys a chance to not only do that, but also to be an encouragement to others. So we're going to take a couple of minutes here. On the screen is going to be a QR code, or you can text the word thankful to 417-233-1200, and you're going to see some instructions there just to share one thing that you're thankful for this year. It may be a person. It may be something about the church family. It may be an experience that you had this year. It may be something about God that you're thankful for. But we're going to take a couple of minutes here, get on that QR code or text the word thankful, and just let us know what it is you're thankful for this year. Let's practice it all together. For those of you that did that and partook, partake, partook in that, I want to thank you for doing that. We're going to share some of those later this week so that it'll be an encouragement to everybody else. I'm going to challenge you to do that personally with somebody in your family. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's just on the way home or to lunch that you share with someone in your family something that you were thankful about for them from this year. Thankfulness can be so important in our lives, and God calls us to do it constantly in His Scripture. 
There's another way that we can give back to the Lord, and that is through giving of our tithes and our offerings. And this is a time where we can do that. This is your last chance to do that this year. If you want to get it on the books for 2023, you can do that at our website. Click on giving. You can do that by texting the amount, or there are boxes at the back of the door. So make sure that you give in a way of ministering with the Lord together with Northside here today. There's also a time where we can come to a place of decision. Maybe there's something you need to pray about and you need somebody to pray with you. There's going to be um, prayer warriors, prayer people on the sides here. I'm going to be in the decision point if you'd like to come and pray or if you'd like to make a decision. Maybe you don't have your identity in Christ or you'd like to identify with the family of God here at Northside and become a member. I'd love to talk to you about that. You can always go online and do that by texting to our decision point or going online at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. So I encourage you to hear what God has to say to you and make a decision here this morning as we enter the new year. Will you stand together and let's worship. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.